What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is Philadelphia rapper, writer, member of the Wrecking Crew, and co-host of the Call Out Culture podcast, Zilla Rocca. We spoke about The Green Knight, Marvel Comics, the birth of superhero movies, the differences between seeing a movie in theaters pre-New Millennium and now, his relationship with Dr. Dre's The Chronic and Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the 36 Chambers, his beginnings as a rapper, growing the Wrecking Crew brand through music and podcasting, and his latest album, Vegas Vic. Come fuck with us. What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back to Real Notes. Uh, we've been back, I think, for about a week now because I took a two-week break because people are tired. I've been doing this since March. I needed a break. <laughs> um, mm. So, uh, you know, my name is Dylan Cinemasai. I do a lot. I have names. Those are two of my names. Um, uh, yeah. And we're here with somebody who's incredibly dope. And they Thank took you. time out of their extremely busy schedule to come and chill and talk about movies and shit. We got fucking, we got fucking Zilla Rocca. We got Philly's finest in the house tonight. Yo, or tonight yeah. it's, it's, it's the afternoon, bro. What am I talking about? Thank you for I'm coming on my shit. Even real. Thanks. Nah, man. It, is. it doesn't exist. You know, it's just a state of mind. You know what I mean? It ain't nothing yeah. but a number unless you're R. Kelly. Then it's a real number. Yeah. It's an illegal number. It's an illegal, an illegal number. number. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> illegal number. Mr. 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 Testify on his behalf in court. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Um, Thanks what, for what, having what me. This is great. I'm excited. Oh, me too, man. This is hype. Yeah. I was, yeah, I, I've been listening to Vegas Vic for the last couple wow. of days. So I'm really, I'm really excited to, I mean, like I've, I've been, I've been jumping around a lot, just like listening to some of your old stuff. And but, I popped, um, I peeped some of call out culture because, you know, shout ooh. out to you and Castro and Alaska. Thanks, so, you know, yeah, I'm excited to dig into all of this. Sweet. Let's get, oh. hell yeah. So, you know, first question I ask everybody who comes on is, uh, what's the last movie or TV show you watched that you had a strong opinion about? It could be good or bad. It doesn't matter. But like, as long as it made you feel something. Um, the Green Knight. I oh. really liked that movie. I really liked it. It, it, uh, I had a strong opinion about it because it was, um, I, it made me remember how much as a kid, like I loved Knights and King Arthur and Camelot. You know what yeah. I mean? So um i'm 39 so i didn't grow up in like this incredible wave of like kid culture where everything you want is just out there you just had like really boring like greek mythology king arthur you know <laughs> there wasn't <laughs> just to get like a batman toy was rare you know what i mean now like my son is just swimming in a world of there's shazam toy captain america captain marvel I'm, and i'm as an adult i'm like oh this is dope i always wanted this so right. back then you just had like literary literary heroes to hold you down gilgamesh so watching the green knight i was like man this reminded me like how much i love like knights with you know like the the mace and the the chain link shit and all that and the movie you know takes you it's a little bit like willow where it's like a little fantastical a little scary a little right. grimy but also like just I watched it twice. I rented it. I should have seen it in a the theater. I, I was bugging, um, but I just rented it. I was like, I don't want to wait anymore. I just want to see it. And uh, I <laughs> I watched it back to back. And then I watched the director. Um, what's homeboy's name? Uh, Damn, I can't I remember him. either. I saw the movie, too. And yeah, I he's dope. Yes. So I went back and watched. I watched Peach Dragon with my son on Disney, which he did that. <laughs> and then I watched a ghost story 
on Netflix, which he did, which blew my mind. And then I realized looking at his IMDb, I saw his first movie ever in theater called Ain't Them Body Saints from like 2013, which was like this beautifully filmed kind of like Bonnie and Clyde joint where it was like visually stunning. The music was great. And that was also Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, who he then used again in Ghost Story. Um, So I kind of went down this rabbit hole with this guy. The only movie I haven't seen yet that he did is uh, The Old Man with a Gun with Robert Redford. It came out like maybe three years ago. Oh, so yeah. I'm I remember like, that. I never got to yeah, see it. Yeah, I didn't. I just remember always seeing the, the picture thinking like, oh, that looks kind of ill the way he, Robert Redford looks um, like it looked like something I would use like for my album art. And so I was like, oh, once I realized this guy did all these things, I was like, oh, he's like a younger dude. So I was like, this dude's great. So it pulled me back into like fantasy knights and king arthur stuff and then his own this not discography filmography where i watched right. two of his movies afterwards so it was like it was cool man i i really i really love that movie a lot see there's a see i won't see i think uh the green knight is the only one of his movies i've seen so far and i saw it in the mm. theater because <laughs> i um i'm a i'm a i'm a mark for six dollar tuesday i feel like people who listen <laughs> to the show regularly know that i'm big on six dollar <laughs> tuesdays so i pulled $6. up and um uh i <laughs> it's so funny because at the beginning of the movie i mean you remember at the beginning when the, when the green knight first shows up and yes. then um dev patel cuts his head off and they and then like explains yep. like, what happens i slept through that whole part Ooh, whoops like i woke up <laughs> I, I fell asleep for 10 minutes and i woke up as he was leaving the castle to oh, go find bro. the green knight and, and 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 then like he shows up and i'm like so what's this green knight like what did i miss and then i found and then i saw the trailer when i went home and i was like oh i just missed like the most important part yes. of the plot of the movie like i missed the whole right. setup because i'm a dumbass dude but um dude <laughs> um, that's the part of the but, trailer i saw on itunes where i saw that part and i was like here's my 20 dollars. take it just mm, that so i was in see. and then you missed it but you got it for six dollars so whatever Right. I also I also didn't watch the trailer because I wanted to be surprised by this one. Mm. Like I saw I saw what it was about. I um I didn't realize that it was based on the short story. Um or no it's not a short story, but um you know, I it's watched poem, it I and think. right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I um I've been sitting with it for like a month and a half. I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. I think mm. I liked it. It's it's like cool. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a big proponent of like that magical realism type of stuff and I love it. Yeah. it it's like really really subtle. And yes. like kind of messes with the guy's perception of reality. And mm-hmm. I love I love stuff like that. Like he's clearly going. Well, I, I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis because he doesn't look like he's 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 like that old. But like he's kind of right. going through this moment where he's trying to prove something to himself more than anybody else. And it's just like, you know, like 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 the whole movie really could have just pu- the whole movie really could have just been called I'm pussy. Like, yes. <laughs> honestly, like he was just and how do I grapple that with him. that? Right. Like the whole exactly. thing is like about masculinity. <laughs> like what 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 lens me- a man will go to to prove that I'm a man as defined by the culture around him, his family, the field he's in, where he lives. Like in modern times, it might be, you know, I don't know, picking a fight with someone or it might be like going to jail or be like working in at a hard labor job. You know what I mean? Right. Like depending on, again, all those things of where you grew up, like what your zip code is, what family you were born into, what part of the world, you know, it might be going off to war or join the military. So for him, it's like unnecessarily 
<laughs> show it out to live up to i don't want to ruin it for people that haven't seen it but yeah it's it's a really fascinating take on what it takes to be a man in history a, right. type, a man's man right and i yeah. love um um i'm um i'm a big fan of death patel i think he's been mm. doing really wonderful stuff over the course of the last decade and i was afraid he was going to get typecast after slumdog millionaire but he's yeah. really taken on some like really interesting roles and like seeing him pop up in like medieval times and like having like a brown person and like brown people just being there like that was yeah. dope to me like just like a nice Ew. the best the best kind of the best kind of historical revisionism i'm fucking with all of that shit yeah and even like his mother you know what i mean like yep. how they casted her and he, i remember i seen when I, he was on newsroom on hbo i really yeah. liked him a lot on that show and i i don't oh, even remember man. i saw slumdog but i just saw it because it was a big movie at the time but i don't remember much right. about it beyond like it terrified me to ever visit India. I'm like, yo, it is grimy on in India, bro. See, I'm like, I, I'm good. I don't, I don't remember anything about it either. Like it really was just one of those like event movies back when like monoculture was a thing and like everyone yes. needed to go see it. Like, like that was back when like, when whatever movie won best picture that was the movie everybody went yes. to see like e even if you weren't fucking with that kind of movie you saw it because it won the oscar and like it's not really like that anymore at, at least not at the nah. on the scale that it was before like nobody gives a shit about the oscars no more nobody cares no it's the they same don't way care. like you know? no it's the same way because back then you're right like that would determine like oh should i see this you know what I mean? Versus like if you have Netflix and a movie's nominated for best picture, you can just watch it right now. You don't have to do anything special. Right. You can just check it out. You know what I mean? Versus like totally. back then, like only in the theater for six months and then wait three, four months and then red box it or DVD or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. It was very different. Right. It's like 10 years yeah. ago. Wow. For, yeah. Like it's so crazy how fast things are evolving and things are moving. And one more thing before we move on, I've sure. been doing some, I've been doing some research into a, like, into like what the movie theater um the movie theater to home video pipeline was like like right when vhs tapes popped off like i remember like, this because <laughs> like it's like right before from what i understand right before it was just like the movie would be in theaters for a couple months and then just like go back into the studio vault until they decided to bring it out for a five-year anniversary mm. and like mm. i can't imagine not having at least like a vhs tape or like a right. DVD or something to like be right. able to own the movie on home media. It's 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 so crazy to think yeah. that like Dis Disney really like popped that off. Like they like they kind of started the home video cra or, or or they didn't start it, but like they were the first big company to embrace it. And then mm. everybody else was like, "Oh, we see you're making we're making a billion dollars off Little Mermaid DVDs. Yes. Let me let me let me get in on this like or um uh, tapes, not DVDs." But anyway, yeah, they, yeah. they made some money off of it. And I, I remember just like how how long movies would stay in theaters and how people would just go see it again. Just because like, oh, you liked right. it. Well, you don't want to wait seven months for it to come out on VHS. I can go catch it again because it's dope. Like imagine now, like what the only people I think now see movies in theaters more than once is like super Comic Con types. They'll be like, like yo, us. I saw, <laughs> yeah, like, yo, I saw, you know, fucking, uh, I saw Shang-Chi four times in the theater. You know what I mean? Like, it was crazy. Right. I just love it so much. But that's like a very specific kind of person versus like, like when Titanic was out, people saw in the theater like three times or like Mission Impossible one, people just kept seeing it because nothing was like that. And you're like, this movie's right. crazy. Saw it three times in the last five months, but it was out for five months. Yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. That's hilarious. That's 25 years ago. And like, 
um you remember you remember hearing about the guy who went to go see um um captain marvel like 27 times in the theater and then he like yeah. met Brie larson and like oh people like, like that's some other shit you know like he's got like, like a personality to like something's going on there you know that movies oh, first man. of all that movie's mid as hell like oh, even seeing it more man. than once is a waste of time but like I liked Captain when people Marvel. do that. It's all right, but I'm just like, that's fair. That's I fair. can go on. A, I can give you a good Captain Marvel rant where she's just, she's always been a boring character in comics for 40, 50 years. There's nothing interesting about her. So like making the movie where it's like, it's the nineties. That's what's cool about her. She's wearing a Nirvana shirt. I'm like, all right, bro. I mean, sure. It was just, <laughs> they just, she just existed to punch that in the face. Like who can we summon that could hurt him? If they punched him in the face, Captain Marvel, boom, push her to the front. She's right in the front of all the characters. We're going to give her a movie. But uh, yeah, maybe the second one's going to be fun because there's fun parts. I'm not dunking on the whole movie, but right. I'm a comic yeah. book maniac. So I'm a Oh, purist. yeah, I know you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, deep. It's interesting that you bring up that you think Captain Marvel is kind of boring because I think like there's like there's so much going on with her character. Like there mm-hmm. was like. Like the one story I always think of is that one Avengers story where um the time traveling dude basically like uh like real quick content warning, like trigger warning for anybody listening, like he basically like time rapes her mm. and like he <laughs> he he like hijacks her uterus to like re- rebirth himself in the present day or some crazy shit. Like it's too much. That's too much. It, it was it was really awful. And then like and then um what's up, my my man uh Chris Claremont was like nah. Like he like yeah. five years later, he was like, nah, I got nah. I got to like like the Avengers <laughs> did nothing for her. And then she was like, hey, like y'all get y'all let me get assaulted by this maniac. Like I'm yep. leaving you and I'm joining the X-Men. Like yeah, and then dude. like and then from there, like there was a whole like binary thing. I don't know. Like Carol Danvers has some pretty like outside of all of that. Obviously, yes. she has to me. She has some pretty interesting stuff going on, especially it during that run when she like kind of ha- was like struggling with alcoholism and yes. Carol Danvers has been through a lot, bro. Like she's I, been I, through a lot. I I just think like the way they've p- tried to make her a thing, it reminds me of like in DC back in the day when they were tr- trying to make steel a thing, like Stop. push, push, <laughs> make this person like leapfrog where you're like, yeah, they're cool. Like they're pretty cool, but you trying to put them in the front, of every event and like the central i'm like that's got to happen on its own you know what i mean that would be like like wolverine became wolverine not because they were like check it out he's got claws kids love claws he's everywhere they were like well he kind of fights the hawk his mask is kind of wild buns then well he's not a main x-men he's like a rescue team like that organically happened where wolverine was like the the main thing versus like well, Captain Marvel the last 10, 15 years in the books and then the shows and movie, they're like, oh, no, no, she's like all the way in the front. I'm like, well, uh, you had Black Widow. Like, you have all these other people. He just kind of like dumped on to push yeah. her like Scarlet Witch. Like, oh, we're getting to someone crazy. After 15 movies, she gets a show. You know, it's just it's just funny to me where I'm just like the, the thought process behind this. I'm like, what? Right. Huh? Like Civil War Two, Captain Marvel. I'm like, really? She's the one in Civil War Two? Captain right. Marvel. Okay. <laughs> You guys want to do that? Put her on the cover. I'm like, all right. So that's what, what I what I will say. Um, I'm a big fan of Kamala Khan. I think she's an amazing character. Oh, she's awesome. She's I'm great. so like, I can't wait for her to get. In, um, I can't wait for her. I think she's getting her own show. Yep, I think she's yep. going to be in the Marvels, the big uh, the big sequel movie. I'm so mm-hmm. hyped. I love every like she's from she's from Jersey City. So like, that's right near me. Yeah. Like, you know, Jersey's finest, Jersey like always. Yo, Jersey so like, City's I'm. 
Yeah, man. But like she's I, th- I think she's like Carol Danvers has a lot of really great moments to me. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think Kamala Khan is like she's the one, man. Like she's I can't wait shit. for more people to know who she is. Like Dude, She's just funny. You know what I mean? Like dealing with high school shit. She's she's fire. Like I, to me, she's more interesting, yeah. too. Like I, I'm more interested in what she's got going on. Definitely. Than, like, the Brie Larson version. That's all. I just think the Brie oh, Larson no, no, version no, sure, is like sure. is just kind of bland. And for the movie, like they didn't, it was just a weird thing to watch versus like all the weird, bizarre ways you could play with Carol Danvers, it's like this intergalactic person who was always being yanked around. And then there's Marvel, then there was the Black Captain Marvel. Like there's just so many things. And they were like, nope, she's in the 90s, young Nick Fury, go. I'm like, okay, sure. Okay, fine. You know, right, right. <laughs> punch Thanos two movies later. Okay, here she is. Right. I do, I do, I do appreciate that we know how and why nick fury's eye got fucked up because of the cat yeah, that's cool i like that yeah. that was cute that's fun that that's what i'm point. saying like he to me he was the best part like i love watching him and then the scrolls and the creed okay oh yeah right you know, i was about to say you're like it's a breeding ground for all that stuff i just thought like she heard the what they did with her was more just like to service these other things so even you know get to like monica rambo and the what's the name show on wandavision and yeah. sword like it was great i just felt like she Everything about her stuff, I was like, okay, it could have been like the Green Lantern movie or something. Like it just didn't. Right. She just gets a, a rock, hits her with power, and I'm like, okay, what else? And she was people's ass, and it was pretty ill when she cut the spaceship in half. But that shit was fire. You know, yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> was but I was like, beyond that, I'm like, maybe the next one that they, they be from. That's all. I'm just, I'm just hating. No, no. Made a billion dollars. What do I know? I respect it. I respect it. Um, before we move, before we move on, like for real this time, sure. I'm trying to remember. Um, Monica, Monica Rambeau, she becomes Photon, right? I think so. Is, is, is that who she becomes? It's either either that or because it's not binary, right? Mm, oh God, you're 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 pulling me because that's that's the era I, I started dipping out on anything beside um oh, X Men. Shit, I can't remember. But either way, like I'm happy Monica Rambeau's around. I think Tiana Parrish is a great actress, and I think she's gonna she's do great. wonders with that character. She's phenomenal. Um, she was great I on Mad wish... Men. Yeah, she was. And on um, uh, you, you ever watched Survivor's Remorse? It ran for like a really short time, but it was this cool uh Showtime show about uh basketball. And I, fun I, shit. I, oh, oh wait, I um, someone was telling me about that show. I can't remember who it was. I heard it was really good. But she's like, it, she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. Um, so, you know, obviously you have a pretty you have a pretty solid base when it comes to both movies and comics. And, you know, now like, yeah, I'm gonna make this a little different because I want to talk to you about both. So. Um, f- so let's start off with like, what's your what's the first movie experience you can remember having? Like it could be at your cousin's house at the theater. It could be like at Blockbuster or whatever the fuck like. What's the first time you remember watching a movie? That's a great question. Uh, and real quick, I'm I'm in my basement doing the show, so we have our my wife's washing clothes. So if you hear water in the background, I'm not I'm not peeing off camera. It's just the washer <laughs> loading up. Um, he promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first movie experience I remember having was my father taking me to theater to see Pinocchio. Mm. So I remember like Pinocchio was like a big deal in my life because then like you said before about Disney stuff like. That was like when they brought it back in the theaters, like it probably in you know, the 40th or whatever it was, because it was the 80s when I went. But I remember seeing that in the theater and just like being blown away, you know, like the colors and the imagery and then the story of Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket. And then later on, we had like a big Pinocchio poster in my room from mm-hmm. seeing it. And again, back then it was like you weren't just getting hit with kids movies 
every three weeks. There wasn't like a new kid thing coming out. So it was like you were watching old stuff. You know what I mean? So like, and then after that movie, I became obsessed with like Mary Poppins on VHS. Mm. Like I used to watch that all the time. So again, the, even like the original, like Peach Dragon or The Sword in the Stone, like these movies by this point were anywhere from like 20 to 40 years old when I was watching them back then. Um, but I remember like getting sucked into that Disney wave and you weren't getting, you know, like the, the, the buy-ins, like the happy meal items of the newest stuff. Like you just had that. There was nothing else. You just had it. There wasn't, you know, like a hoodie, <laughs> like a sleeping bag, <laughs> Pinocchio sleeping bags. So it was like, you were just stuck in that world of watching it and like looking at it and like, it meant a lot because it was, you couldn't really get it anywhere else. So that was, that was the one I remember the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, ima- imagine having a Pinocchio body pillow. Like right after you watch the movie the first time, just like just just like the big ass like, yeah, <laughs> or like like a Jiminy Cricket like Funko Pop whatever you know Funko right? things whatever they are like that just wasn't there. It was just that's all you had was watching it. Right. Yeah. It's crazy because um my father um before I was born or actually no 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 I'm trying to remember when Laserdisc stopped but he has a huge Laserdisc collection. He's wow. like Shots my dad. Discs. My dad was all like, he's always like, whenever the new technology thing pops off, he needs to have it. It doesn't matter what it is. So like he got, a, so like he has a, so like he had, um, there were like a handful of, um, Pinocchio wasn't one of them, but there were like a bunch of movies that he just got on Laserdisc. And That's like, fire. that was um like, just a weird, just like, it, like, like just home media back in the day was just really fucking strange. And like people's relationship to movies then is so different than it is now in a lot of weird ways that i'm just like really unpacking as we're talking about this right now it was awesome because it's yeah. like you just everything was more inconvenient and it cost money so like you were right? invested <laughs> like you didn't buy terminator on laser disc for whatever it was 40 50 dollars to watch it once you're in you know like you're buying the laser disc it takes up a lot of space it's huge it's brittle yeah it's not a one and done type of situation yeah, yeah, the shits are bigger than vinyl. Like yes, <laughs> vinyls, vinyl's wild. already big. Like yeah, they were big, man. Locked a lot of dust. Uh, honestly, <laughs> um. So yeah, so so same question, but for comics. Like, when did you when did you first start reading comics, and when did they become like really important to you in that way? That's a great question too. I I think I think when I was real young, I found like my dad's old. Like ju- like a Justice League like giant size Justice League like DC comics, in his in, in my grandmother's house, and so I was reading like the '60s Flash, and '60s Superman books, and you know like what what Crypto the dog and like everyone's like real happy, you know what I mean? Like those books are just like like Boy Scout books. Everyone's like smiling all right. the time, especially and so I just Superman like love stuff. Yeah, very much so. Right, you know what I mean? And like mix you know Mixoplex and Bizarro, and so I remember those, and then. Once there started being comic book stores near me, um, my dad would take me and then, you know, you can get, you know, basketball. I was like collecting cards first, like baseball cards. And then I would go to comic book store because they would have the baseball cards. Then like in the basement, you'd walk down, they would have all the comics. So then that's when I just started like being blown away, like all the colors and imagery and like, you know, Spider-Man and like the ones kids kind of gravitate towards first. They're just like more kid friendly. And then once the late 80s, early 90s hit and then X-Men hit like that was what really yanked me in. So it wasn't just like drawing Batman. It was like, okay, Wolverine and then Cyclops and Gambit and beast. 
you know, and then like the Jim Lee stuff happened and it became then there's every then there's comic book stores everywhere. So now there's just like right. you're in the mall and there's a comic book store and then on the way home, there's a comic book store and then right down your block there's a comic book store. So then it's like the wave is hitting and you could get an image, you know, and, and all that stuff. So I remember like catching it as it building up with everyone everywhere else. And then also just kind of get in like cheap books too. you can go you can go to the back and get like, oh, this, this bin's a quarter. So you would just have like three dollars and just get a bunch of old random books, you know, like vampire books from the 70s or like small characters like Animal Man back then or like Sleepwalker or something. That's so and hard. like check I the, love Animal Man. Yeah, like like grabbing the 80s books, you know, the Guy Gardner Green Lantern joints, like the off the beaten path characters that were cheap. So if you know you only had like ten dollars, you can get like one or two X-Men and then your change, you would get like the woe be gone forgotten joints. You know what I mean? Like so finding all them too you're like oh like the way they looked the way they were drawn was different and like the, the condition of the books you know more kind of raggedy and like the yellowed pages so it kind of gave you appreciation for like where things were in the moment with jim lee and then you know a beat up like adam strange book or something that you got for a quarter you kind of start as a kid you're like noticing what's different about them and then kind of pulling all in so and again, like kind of the, the industry was crescendo, like death of Superman was big at the time. And, you know, like Batman Nightfall. So right. that was kind of hitting at the same time as I was getting more and more into it and getting money on my own and buying stuff. It was it was fun, man. It was a it was a blast. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Um, Thanks, I'm trying I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So like X-Men, you mentioned X-Men specifically a few times. Like, what is it Definitely. like? What was it about X-Men that really caught you? And like, because it seems like that's kind of the thing that's became like your focal point after a while. You know, what? It was? That's, that's a great question, dude. I feel like X-Men was like people in my generation, a little bit older. It was like our thing. It was like Justice League and Avengers. You know, that's the 60s. That's like the baby boomer run. That's their group. And they're great. Like, I love those books. But X-Men was kind of like hip hop. It was like new, like, I mean, like that era of X-Men, X-Men and we're older, but I mean, like Gambit, X-Men, Psylocke, you know, that right. grouping, you know, like that was like our team and we claimed it being younger and that being the hottest book ever with the hottest artist, you know, and even like Rob, I never always say his name wrong, like Lee Field, Life Field, like his run with Cable and all that and Deadpool. It felt like that was our thing, you know, Tom McFarlane, the same way like rap was like, hours so you can have you know okay you can read justice league and all of that but like we're rocking with x-men we're rocking with x-force you know cable like that's who we we are going to choose and the books are about being outcasts you know what i mean like right so back then if you like rap especially you know looking like me and where i live like that was not cool it wasn't cool to be a white dude listening to rap music you know right. <laughs> it's just it was not it was not i can look. imagine i can yeah, imagine like in 92 like walking around knowing tribe and house of pain like no one that it was cool to like it as like a song you could like a rap song like it takes two to make a thing go right okay you can like that but you can't like you know you can't like own they lock cassettes like why do you why are you doing that so it was kind of like a rebellious thing and the x-men were rebellious you know and like the art and the muscles and all, all the, the pouches, you know, like it was just, it was a new thing. And I think that's what like grabbed us. Cause I, I just know like a lot of hip hop people love X-Men. Oh you know yeah. I mean? Like, like Definitely. Mike Eagle, me, Curly Castro sketch 185 shouts to sketch. It's like, 
we, that's our common language of books. Like we're not being like, yo, like right. there's people I love, but they don't love no plastic man. I like plastic man. They're not right. No it's <laughs> you know? <laughs> like my weirdo dude. Right. And like, and, and now that, I never thought about that before you mentioned it just now, like a lot of, a lot of rappers love X-Men and it's not even just, it's not even just of your era, like my era, like we let, like a lot of people that like I grew up listening to and a lot of people that I run with right now love X-Men. And like, you look at the, and you look at the, um, the run of the covers that Marvel did, a lot of those hip hop covers were X-Men based. A lot of them. One of my favorites was um, done by Kieran Grant. He did um, he did the X-23 cover that was DMX's Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. I met him at Comic-Con one year and I had him sign my cover. And I was like, bro, like this, this is amazing. Like one of my favorite albums, like just it's so like I, I never really thought about it before. But like hip hop's relationship with X-Men is like super duper dope. Like, I really love that. So, um, yeah, it's I appreciate great. you bringing that up because it's, oh, it's just that, that, that's a great question. Thank you. And it's like if you if you listen to um, like like indie rappers specifically, like we're, we're rebellious and contrarian by nature. You know, what I mean, yeah, because we're not mainstream. We're not making this songs. Like we know we know what could hit and we know what works and what the formulas and we always kind of go against that grain. And so even, you know, X-Men one is like the biggest book ever. It's like the last it's, it's funny, like watching the world through my son, who's who's five about to be six like Aww. these kids don't know what x they don't know what that is that's crazy Think about that because it's not in the mcu yet like it's right he knows of them because i gave him my old x-men toys that i kept and still have so he right. knows who like wolverine and apocalypse is and juggernaut and nightcrawler like he knows what they are he knows their name and what they but he doesn't know like the story yet because right. they're not out like you if you see a kid with like you, you see kids with Deadpool on and Venom. You don't see kids with like Colossus or Cyclops right. yet. Maybe three years from now they will. So it's like, even with us, it's still kind of like a secret because with Fox and all that, the movies, like when the first movies came out, I, I was blown away when they, when they made the first one with Hugh Jackman and Storm, I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. Right. So they had that run early on and then they got wiped out soon as the mcu came along was like i see what you're doing but we're going to do this 50 times better and they right. got smashed you know what i mean so where like when you watch the dark phoenix movie now you're like this is except for the train scene like this is pretty embarrassing like what are you oh. doing oh my you know, god like they, they they had a head start but but the cool thing was in the books at least they were like okay we're going to take a scale it back down and do something crazy which is you know the, the house of x stuff uh yep. and the dawn of x like I and I put I put rappers onto it like Def C I put back onto that book and Blood Money. Shout Perez out to Def C, bro. Yeah, like I got him hooked on that book and I got Castro. Castro was the biggest X-Men dude I ever knew. And he hadn't read an X-Men book in a minimum 25 years. Wow. To where now he's got books on call at the comic book store again, like collecting. That's where they got the bin. You know what I mean? And spending all his money on comic. I got him back into it off that Hickman run. So That's it's wild. It's just something that resonates, man. It's just like it's timeless. Like the being the outcast, that never gets old. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and then how do you how do you navigate being an outcast? Do you run from it? Do you buck back? Do you link up with other outcasts? Like, do you gain leverage and strength and power? Do you go in hiding? Like, how do you make that move? So I I, I think it's like it's so cool. Like they just they'll never go away. You know what I mean? Right. Just, whether whether the movies are popping or not, it's gonna mean a lot to people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah, and yeah, like for context, like those first X-Men movies, like I had like we had the cartoon too. So I like I was already like kind God, of familiar, but like oh. yeah, yeah, the cartoon was gigantic. And like and you know, like but then like the movies were 
like the the first two specifically like those like, like x1 and x2 were like really foundational movies for me growing up um just just to like understanding not even just understanding the characters but understanding those general concepts of like i mean like i already had a fair amount of experience of like being an outcast because like i'm black bro but like <laughs> you know um it was uh like that just kind of put it into a really interesting context especially especially considering especially considering a lot of the uh um, a lot of the queer readings on X2 in particular now, like it's been like it's kind of been building over the course of the last decade, but it's like really like the explicit focal point now. And I really appreciate that about it. And like and 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 like I'm really excited to see I'm really excited to see the X-Men like show up in the MCU because, you know, when they do like we're all in you know, like it's going to be this cross generational. It's going to be oh. this big event because like the X-Men are just like they're the X-Men. Like everybody knows that even if you like if you even if you don't read comics or watch the movies, you know, the X-Men and, you know, Spider-Man, like everybody knows the X-Men Wolverine. and Spider-Man. Everybody knows and Wolverine. Wolverine. Like, everybody yeah, knows. exactly. And, and Wolverine and Storm, like Wolverine and Storm, it's to me, the, like the, <laughs> right. the two, the two X-Men, like, yep. <laughs> you know, You're right. So and Magneto, you know, Magneto, Magneto everybody yeah. loves Magneto. Yeah, too. Everybody, yeah. But like. I'm yelling right now. I'm trying to calm down, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, nah, I, um, nah. Yeah. I'm all about that. I can't wait for kids to know who the X-Men are. It's going to be dope, dude. It's going to be dope. Like what world did you imagine kids were more excited about Deadpool than X-Men? We're That's in pretty wild, right? Yeah. Venom. <laughs> kids his... love Venom. They love Venom. Same way That's I did. Surprising. I just didn't have the movies. You know what right. I mean? Like I love yeah. Venom because the teeth and the tongue. He's gross. Yeah. He's scary. They love yeah. Venom, dude. Yeah, love he's like, they love Venom for the same reason they love Hulk. You know, like right. Hulk is he's Hulk is Hulk is like, yeah, big and powerful and can do cool, crazy stuff. And is sometimes pretty funny. I wasn't <laughs> a big fan of the new Venom movie, but like, exactly. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in the new one. I hope it's good. Um, yeah, why not? Carnage. I, yeah. You know, yeah, I love Carnage. I don't know. Like, I, I, I had, just that, love I had the... that Super Nintendo game. I had the Carnage oh, game. Wow. I've only yeah. ever seen clips. I've never, I, I never owned oh. this. I always wanted to own a Super Nintendo, but I never, I never got one. It was like the first time you could play as Venom. You got to pick being Spidey or Venom. Mm. And then move right. through the city. Okay. It was crazy. Right. You were like, what? I can be Venom in this game? We have a common enemy in Carnage. Like, I'm in. Damn. That beat him up era was something else, man. We're, we could we we could really talk about this shit all day, man. I'm it's like, greatest, this is, it's the most damn, fun for real. Like, I really want to go buy it. Like, like I have a, I have like an antique game store near me. I might actually go Ooh. pop a Super Nintendo at some point. Just just Get just for shit, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so for you, like when so like when did you first fall in love with music? Like like you kind of you kind of already hinted at it, but like when did rap first formally? become a thing that you were like yeah i'm fucking with this forever hmm that's a great question bro um i was a big i mean i'm an only child and i was growing up like when when mtv was like popping and i got to spend a lot of time watching tv which was fun too so uh i pretty i, I can never find like the the first time I was like, this is the dopest thing I've ever seen. But I remember like seeing the videos for like Run DMC and then later, and, like the Fat Boys. And then later it was like Young MC, you know, uh, Bust a Move and like Tone Loke, Wild Thing. And then like Bell Biv DeVoe with Poison, where it was like rap and R&B at the same time. 
And then I remember like very specifically when like Dre and Snoop hit, that was the first time where I was like, okay, nothing else matters anymore. Like, this is it. It's this stuff. You know what I mean? It's not Michael Jackson. It's not Madonna. It's, it's not anything else, not Tone Loke or any of these other cats. Again, shouts to them. I love them. But like right. when I saw that video for nothing but a G thing and the, the chronic hit to where it was such a, it was like seeing like another planet. You're just like, I, and I missed the easy, I missed NWA because they didn't play that a lot when I was a kid around here because I'm in, I'm in Philly, but I remember like being at a popular intersection where they would have like t-shirt stands and they had like the chronic hat with like the blunt leaf. Like mm. that's how hard that hit. Like on the East coast in the nineties, like you would get West coast gear. So I would leave, I would go to McDonald's and walk out and there's a t-shirt stand with everything like Dre and Snoop wearing. You could just buy it for 10 bucks. And so I remember seeing that, like, this is it. And that was so like, basically like the beginning of like the West coast run for me when I was like nine or 10 years old being like, this is everything. Cause before that it was like, again, like Bobby Brown and Bell Biv DeVoe were like cool and fresh and being, being like hip hop adjacent, like house party and all that, th- all that stuff. But this was like dangerous to me. This was like very accessible, <laughs> dangerous music that my parents definitely, once my parents were like, you can't wear that or buy that. It was like, all right. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, no, not a problem with Tone Loke and, you know, Naughty by Nature or like, you know, crisscross. I had the crisscross tape. That was great. Thumbs up. We could play that in the car together. Wonderful. When they heard like bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks lick on these nuts and suck the dick. Like that's a that's a bridge yeah. too far. We can't go there. Which, so I had to like then that even like like X-Men, it became like my thing. Like I, I hide my copy of Doggy Style under my carpet in my room like I, they can't know i have this they can't know i have the, the chronic and so it became like my little thing to have and those were massive records so you would you know hear the radio edit you'd see the, the video should be blurred out and you're like what is going on like what are these guys doing this is crazy so that pulled me in from like the visual and the music side and then once i got into it then i then it, that, that was like the gateway drug then it's like okay Oh, they, they, oh, who's Warren G? I got to get the Warren G up. Who's Dog right. Pound? I got to get that yeah. out. Lady of Rage. I remember her from that album. Let me get Lady the, the of Lady Rage, of Rage joint. Bro. And then then the East Coast response became even bigger. So it's like, oh, Onyx. Whoa. Wu-Tang. Damn. Biggie. Yeah. Not this is amazing. Like it just everything started just leveling everything up. And I don't want to like just dwell in the 90s. It's like, oh, the 90s was the greatest. But it, it really no, of course. there was like there was more demand and then there was better stuff being made in response to everything else. So right. that time, like if, if I was born, you know, late nineties, I don't know if I feel the same way or like early seventies or something, but that all was just peaking at the same time. Like comics are peaking. You know what I mean? It was just a really interesting moment. You don't know as it's happening, but I feel like when, and then once you start buying those tapes and getting hooked on it and then all your friends are into it, and it is the hottest thing in the world, like hearing the song Method Man, like M-E-T-H-O-D, M-E-T-H-O-D like man. Like when I heard, I mean, <laughs> I will go to school and everyone was saying, I got five bags of skunk, I got one. Yeah. Like everyone was just saying it on the street. 
and cars playing it. So you're just like, this is like electricity. Like this is, and it's our thing. Our parents don't want us to know this. Like they right. hate it. You know what I mean? And like all those committee meetings, like rap is destroying the youth. Fucking gangster rap is the end. Yeah. And we're like, no, people running not. over the albums and shit. Like with, 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 with the, like, the steamrollers, like, <laughs> you know, about like and Snoop murder was a case. He's on trial for murder. Oh, then he yeah, puts out a, right, right. What's that album called? Murder was the case. The like, case? Whoa. Yeah, bro. you know, it was, everything was like being blurred in and it was like, it was, it was fantastical. So then when I decided to rap, it was at the height of like Wu-Tang Forever and Cannabis and DMX and Nori and Pun. Like that wave of guys come in, like a newer, younger wave that were all different and weird and cool. And like they even have the song on the DJ Clue album called Fantastic Four, where it's right. Cannabis, Nori, you know what I mean? Pun, like that's kind of, I, I saw a song called Fantastic Four. I don't even like Fantastic Four, but I was like, of course I got to buy that. Like naturally, right, you know, my just, new favorite dudes. It's called Fantastic Four. I got to get it. You know what I mean? So it was like everything was just really fresh and thrilling and interesting. And I just even when times weren't good in music, I still could find things all over the place that made me want to keep doing it as an artist and also as a fan. Like like you can't see by my camera, but there's just so much money spent near me on CDs and vinyl and tapes <laughs> and drives my wife insane. I get it. But it's all like cloistered in one specific spot of my house. Right. And I look at this, I'm like, bro, that could have been like my retirement money right there. That's like an extra 20 grand just sitting there in the cabinet. But it was like going to the record store every week. So I have you know four I mean? things I want to say about everything you just that that was that was a crazy <laughs> that was a crazy bit you just gave. But like, a I got my I got my record crate right next to me. I've got like oh. hundreds of dollars worth of records in my shit right now. <laughs> like I just yeah, you like I just got a couple um recently because I just um. Uh, wow, I'm really about to plug something on my own podcast. I Do just it. wrote the I just wrote the fucking listening notes for the public enemy uh, for the reissue of um public enemy's fear of a black planet for finally please. I just got Fire. my copy and they sent and they sent they sent me like five other records too. They sent Damn. me uh they sent me 36 chambers. They sent me thugs so much fun. They sent me Ludacris's word of mouth and they sent me uh what's the last one? Um Freddie Gibbs is straight killer. Yeah, Ooh, so like no, no filler, straight killer, uh, no filler. Honestly, like so, is like that, is that the one that has the um the Janet Jackson flip? I think so. He does yeah. uh got till it's gone. I love that shit. He just like slowed yeah, it down. Man. No, no, wait, wait, no. He flips uh that's the way love goes. Not got right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Which is one of my favorite Janet Jackson songs. My, oh. so, like I really, I love that. I love that shit. <laughs> what that's a song. My number one. That's my number one Janet joint. It's it's maybe like top five or top three for for me. For, there's too many to choose. Seriously. But um, so, you know, like younger um, listeners who are slightly younger than me, like like I was born in 92. So I was I was an infant when the chronic came out. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think people who weren't there understand just how much of a tectonic shift that album represented in the consciousness like and 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 same and and same with um because like i've 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 been going back and listening to the chronic like a Mm. lot lately like like, yeah like swing swing down sweet chariot is one of my favorites like that like that that and nothing but a g thing are just like those are like perfect songs to me like r&b the album's like it's an r&b album bro straight up it's uh, r&b and funk it's like like the perfect distillation of of black music, like the best parts of black music from the seventies, right? Meets like black West coast culture of the nineties meets taking over the radio and every, like it's cause you're seeing it. It's like when kids saw black Panther, right? Right. 
you're like number one i didn't know there was black superheroes that were this ill because kids a kid seeing black panther never saw blade you know, like right. they don't know what blade is like i saw blade in the theater that blew my mind the first one i was like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen and that was but, foundational for all yes, superhero movies right. too like blade yeah. never gets his flowers for that so. no so they'll bring him back out but it's like so if you weren't there for p-funk you weren't you know what i mean like dre gives you that 20 years later you know what i mean right. and p-funk changes everything from all over to south virginia dc like everyone had like p-funk pockets every everyone's grandmom and their aunt and uncle had it in the crate all right but skip forward 20 years a kid me I, I don't know what the hell p-funk is but i know what dre is and i know he's wearing a video in a shirt he's wearing a shirt in a video pointing to a shirt that says funkadelic i'm like uh -huh. what's that what is funkadelic and right. people are like you know funkadelic is let me let me you know, play that song you know what i mean so like it like reintroduces that the same way like black panther is like yo here's a world where the dopest superhero is a black dude and here's his yeah. whole culture and that was like a whole like i feel like most people listening probably remember what the craze around black panther was like like was that crazy. was that was like that was a movie you went to go see in the like i saw that multiple times in the yeah theater. like that was that go. was a That's moment a one, right like right. that was a moment and 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 like and you mentioned the woods and you mentioned 36 chambers too because right. like Cause like I can say about thirty six chambers. I remember when I first heard the Method Man song, and mm. like when people my age had first heard the Method Man, and like we heard that shit and ran it like it was new. Like like, like everyone discovered thirty six chambers around the same time. That's cool. And we were running that shit like it was new, bro. <laughs> like I, I I like like I was like, so I like I just can't even. I can't even put into words how I felt when I first heard that song, like like with the skit and shit, like just like, oh, God, like it's just such a like at that point, the album was already that came out in 93. So yes. I probably heard it for the first time when I was in like maybe late middle school, or early high school. So the album was already like almost 20 years old at that point. OK, no, no, closer to like 15 years old. OK, um, so like that was new to so many people. And it just like instantly connected, and like um, I forget who mentioned it. It was um, no, it was Earl Sweatshirt. He did an interview where he said that Mad Villainy was our Thirty Six Chambers, and okay. I would agree with that because mm. like I also found that album around the same time, and that's when my okay. like that and um, that and fuck Mouse in the Mask were my two introductions oh. to Doom. Those are my you know, two you know what's ill? You know what's so, ill? Like I, I like how you said that because I remember. Okay, so when Mad Villainy hit '04, I was I was a senior in college, and that was like my first like iPod album, where someone just loaded mm. on my iPod. It was all out of order. Like the first song was like Rhinestone Cowboy on the version I heard. It was everything was <laughs> totally random, right? I didn't know for years. Accordion was the first song, um, but what what's really foundational about both those records is. When that hits in 04, that's like the height of like Kanye, college dropout. Then yeah, that's come also out like, like a year before in 03, right? I think no, that was like 04. early 04, right? And then okay. that's also okay. like the Little John sound. It's the beginning of the South, the South sound, which is sample list music, but it's really big and ornate and wonderful. And it's like the gangster rap era, like it's the G Unit era. So what Mad Villain here's a loop off of a cassette and here's a dude rhyming with no hook the same way like 36 chambers is it's 93 and rap house music R&B 
this is the beginning of the industry, like really clicking off and booming. Dre and Snoop, like big albums with big hooks and all this. And here's nine dudes with masks on. Right. Like the, raw, superhero the names. rawness, right. The superhero names and the rawness of it. Like when met the man is this, you know, met the man is a single, it's a smash, you know, it's catchy, but the first single is protect your neck where it's just nine dudes rapping. You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't know who, who's who, what their names are. It's just, it's completely counter to everything happening in culture. And they also like doom, like doom is one of the greatest writers ever. And Mad Lib's one of the greatest producers ever. Uh-huh. Wu-Tang is Rizzo, arguably the greatest producer ever. And then you have Method Man, most charismatic dude ever. Ghostface, yeah. arguably the best rapper ever. Raekwon, yeah. arguably one of the best rappers ever. And Old Dirty, one of the most charismatic people. So just even half of the group is four incredible artists on top of arguably the greatest producers beats going left of center. You know what I mean? Right. Which is what Mayor Villain was. It was like I remember hearing it being like, there's no choruses. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, the songs, it was a minute and 40 seconds. The song is over. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Okay. The Kanye songs are four and a half minutes. And I love the Kanye songs, but it's right. just like, you know, like a j- flip it like an old jazz standard and like a jazz songs in the middle. You're like, yeah. what the fuck? It's just the like that rawness means something to people. You know what I mean? Where it's right. so unorthodox, but it's being conducted by like the greatest people ever. Right. And <laughs> like the shit was just so weird. Yeah, definitely. Right. And yeah, and you know, like like I was really big on like Lil John and like Prunk and Snap music at the time too. But yeah. like that was kind of like my introduction. Like like the Doom stuff was really the Doom stuff really led me to everything else. And then mm. I started to like really dig into my history. Like I had like cool. you know like I was really I was big on like Kanye and Lupe as well. But like oh, yeah, I really Lupe started to huge. I started to dig the into the history like around that time when I first heard like. Uh, mad villainy and then like you know i started getting into wu-tang and gangstar mm. and black moon and like i really like Ooh. dug into it you know like that's it was great. really interesting relationship with that's, music that's back your then. gateway drug that's crazy yeah, honestly. yeah like I, I have a kid who works for me he's 27 and i'm third and so it's interesting like because he understands doom and he loves mad lib i can be like okay because you like those two and understand these guys I want to let you hear to organize confusion album stress. Ah, I think you'll get it. He heard it and he was like, yo, I went on eBay last night and just bought the CD for $30. Like I got to own that. I got to put it in my car. Like this shit is crazy to me. So it's cool to me to like doom lets you like, if you want to like doom, it's like what my man, Barry disco Vietnam says about Billy Woods. Barry's like, you have to make a deliberate choice to like Billy Woods. Because that yeah. that is that is a very left of center guy That's from a rap standpoint. Music. When you hear That's it. investment right. music. So like me and Castro will say, like Prem was talking about Woods when History Will Absolve Me hit back in 2012, talking our ear off about it. New York, oh, this is crazy. Me and Castro are like, I don't get this at all. What the fuck is going on? Huh? You like this? I don't even understand it. And now 10 years later, he's our homie, Woods and Elusive and all them taking over the world, working with Al and Castro and Premer on his label. But at the time, me and Castro were the most weirdo dudes in Philly. We were like, I don't get this, bro. This, you're, yours is weird. This is weird for us. You know what I mean? But it's like when you make that investment into Doom, it's going to reward you if you stick with it. You know what I mean? Because now everything else makes more sense to oh, be like, yeah. oh, okay. This isn't the strangest thing to have a, you know, a song of, you know, meat grinder or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. <laughs> And, 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 you know, like it kind of like I don't want to dwell too much because I know we're on a strict time crunch. No, we, we, like, you know what, my, my, my schedule is a little more open, actually. So we're good. 
don't, don't all right yeah yeah okay cool no so um you know like you know, like growing up on Doom and kind of like mainlining all this stuff the way I did and the way I have been since then, really. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like there's just such an incredible youth movement happening in like quote unquote. So like like I hate using the term underground, but I can't think of anything else. You know, like there's like this incredible movement happening between artists like Navy Blue and Mike and, you know, and and, and like I was just listening to a. I was listening to some of the new uh, singles from the Wiki album. And I remember when oh, Rat King Wiki. first popped off. Oh, I, I remember when Wiki. Rat King first popped off. Like that was that that was like college, like late college, like post-college for me. Like when um um uh so it goes came out. Like that's like really like seeing him make that stuff back then and seeing him kind of finding his way into this bustling community that's happening right now. Cause like that wasn't there 10 years ago, at least not in the way that it is now. You know, like I was there. So like it like Fact. knowing knowing that knowing that they were all around, like and seeing him kind of find his balance and find his footing there. It's just like watching history repeat itself and just like just like really reinforce what Tip said about everything moving in cycles, you know, like Fact. it's just like damn, like I'm and, and, and it's like I had that frame of reference already. So it made sense. And I was just like, Oh, I'm just happy to see more of this. I'm happy oh, more yeah. people get it. You know, like so I remember just, when the Rat King record hit and I remember listening to it. I was really skeptical because I hate all new artists off the rip. I'm just like that. <laughs> Any new artists, I hate them. I hated Lupe. I hate all these motherfuckers. I just don't like them because everyone's in my face about them. Oh, they're, they're fucking great. I hated Billy Woods at first. And shouts to Woods. I love him. I hate all these people. Right. I really, truly was like, nah, fuck them. Because I'm again, I'm a contrarian indie asshole. So I'm like, all right, when I finally get around to them, I sit there, I let all the hype die down, and then I'm like, all right, let me just make up my own opinion. So when I played the Rat King record, I was like, holy shit. And then when it was over, I was like, man, if I was like 21 right now and I heard this album, this would have been like my company flow or like my cannibal ox, where it's like, this is a yeah. version of New York that's brand new, but is a different picture of New York than what everyone else sees or people assume to be the case. And so I remember thinking like, yo, if I, I remember saying to people like, if people in their 20s that catching this album, it's going to pull them into a lot of other cool, weird shit that's happened See? because it's going to make it it's going to give them the context to understand like, hey, New York doesn't always need to be what the radio New York wants it to be. It can be this other shit that's kind of dirty and weird and wild and like melodic and sad and like lo fi and gritty, but also like, you know, you could put a thousand people in a room at the show and they get it. You know, what I mean, it doesn't right. need to be like 50 goofballs somewhere <laughs> And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm living proof of that. Like that, that's my exact story you're telling right now. So like that that's really, awesome. um, you know, like it's crazy. Cause like, I, cause, um, um, I've been listening to the new injury reserve record a lot. Shout out to them. That's, that, that's, that's, those are the, those are my people. Um, and like hearing, hearing the injury reserve album and seeing the flex of rat King in that, like I hear so much of, so it goes in there. And I hear so much of um, Slauson Malone and uh, all the really weird and interesting stuff he's doing in there. Like right. seeing that kind of manifest itself a decade later is like, mm. wow, like we really once again, we're just moving in cycles and we're just here. You know, I got to check know, that out. I haven't heard it yet. Anything yeah, that's go- Rat King adjacent, I'm all on board with. 
Yeah, go look, go listen to By the Time I Get to Phoenix. And anybody list go go pick up that by the time I get to Phoenix. It's fucking nuts. It's 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 really it's really like nothing I've heard in probably 10 years. Like you like there's, is that the name of the album? It's called By the Time I Get to Phoenix, yeah. Oh, uh, because that, that's the Dorothy Ashby song. Uh-huh. Public and, Enemy song. Yeah. I've sampled that. Yeah. Thing. And they named Very it nice. uh the, um they named it specifically after the Isaac Hayes cover. Cause um the Isaac Hayes. There you go. Yeah. So nah, much they, going on with that, man. For real shit is fire um wow this is this has been such a great conversation already we're about an hour in which is like wow yeah. jesus zooming through already um <laughs> so you know like as you're growing up and you kind of have these you kind of have this basis of you know like comics are there but you got right. film and music kind of like like you got these things kind of like con- or like all three of them really conversing with each other but like for you like we already talked about the time when comics and music kind of came together in your head. Right. Like when did you first consciously link was, or, or rather, was there, was there a moment when you consciously linked film and music together in your head the same way you mm. did with comics? Like, like did that ever really happen? Yeah. I think when juice came out um, mm. and juice is, you know, the basis for me and my friends wrecking crew, like everything we do, that's all from the movie juice. So like our newest compilation steals kitchen, that's about juice. The one before right. that, Raheem's Lament, that's on that. We did a tour with Prem seven, eight years ago called the Roland Bishop Memorial Tour. That's Tupac's character. Yeah. So we've always like tied into that. And there's mad people I know that became DJs because they saw that movie and they saw a DJ ripping it in that movie and at a live show. Like people didn't have access of a certain age, like watching DJs. So juice, same thing. When that came out, it was like really dangerous because people were like, getting shot and killed leaving the theater or renting a movie and people saying i got the juice now like letting off the guns it was wild like they were trying to ban the movie or make it nc-17 or you couldn't rent it so it was like scary you know what i mean it was but it, it's, right. it's not like the movie is the movie itself is just about like basically like what what happens when someone's excessively bullied like tupac tupac's a victim in that movie and he just yeah. gets a gun and I was basically a school shooter, you know what I mean? But he's just like in his hood. So, so the movie right. itself isn't that wild, but it's like when you're watching Juice, the soundtrack was huge and the DJ aspect and then Tupac being a rapper and then being in it and then his profile started getting bigger as an actor and rapper. And like, I at least love Tupac. So like all of that with that movie, again, like before that was like House Party and like the Fat Boys movies. But to me, they were always kind of like silly, you know, and they were like, a fun time it wasn't really about music whereas right. like juice was like every rapper's in the movie you know queen latif is in it um what's the name's in it um uh, I, I think i forget is ice t in a movie i can't remember no um, ice t's not pmd's in it yep okay yep. he's not samuel l jackson pops up early on um so there's again yeah. tupac a uh, is in it but everyone's like taking it seriously this isn't like some some fun shit this is like dangerous and so i think that movie was like it, it was just always come up like the, the music, everything about it was just always around to me for some reason. And again, it was like our thing. Like you weren't allowed to check this movie because it was scary. So if you look up like news clippings from back then about like people getting killed, <laughs> seeing right. the movie or like pretending to do things from the movie, it was weird, but it was also done by Ernest Dickerson, you know, who was underneath Spike Lee. So it was, it was a right. real fl- film. Like it was a budget Omar Epps was amazing. The haircuts, mm-hmm. you know, the fashion, like you know, Cypress Hill, when they were on fire, hearing them in the movie, it was just like hip hopped out, but not, but it wasn't like breaking. 
where it's like, oh, that's like a gimmick. Oh, kids like the right. rapping and the break. And we're going to make a quick movie and make money or, you know, like it wasn't like about some breakdance shit. You know what I mean? So other people like older me would say like wild style or like style wars, like from the graffiti side, but or even like crush Juice, groove or something like crush that. Groove, yeah. Right. Like exactly. Like even crush groove, which I didn't see till years and years later, where to me, like juice was just always a cut above that. It was like, it was a dangerous thing. And it's like, dude shooting his friends in the alleyway like god damn like you're just eating eggs with this dude and you're gonna shoot him like this is fucked up versus yeah. like yo 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 b-boy yo hey let, let, let's do it the fresh way meet me on the boards and we start breaking you know my name is charlie and i'm here to say <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like you know cold crush you know like they weren't doing that shit it, it was like it was a scarier thing and again i think that just that fear makes as a kid, you want to check out the things people say, don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that. Right. Don't ever do that. It makes kids fucking want to try it out. So I, I think it was like, that's that specifically. And then over time there became more, you know, above the rim and more movies had like hip hop elements to it. But like juice is about a DJ and his friends. And one of his friends is a fucking rapper in real life. <laughs> right. And it's New York. And like, I act like, honestly, Rewatching Juice recently, to me, a lot of that is a horror movie. Like the second half Ooh. of Juice, from like, from like from like the from basically from the time that Bishop kind of loses his mind to the very end, like yep. that's a horror movie. Like the scene when he pops like, up at that locker, like exactly. I know it's a, it's a it's a gif now and all that, but like that's frightening when you see him. You close that and he's just standing there with them and eyes. He's like, what's up? He's like, what's up, man? Like, yeah, Oof. yeah, yo, like, cause like. The, the, the reason I, the reason I call it a horror movie is because like horror is all about tension and it's all about like buildings building to a point where there's like a big release that's like a scare and you think about you think about the way Bishop you think about the way Bishop gets the gun and he moves around and then he starts following Omar Epps and they have that run at the end of the movie and then when he gets in the scene where he gets in the elevator elevator and, what you gonna do shoot me the elevator and, exactly and Bishop walks in forward does and doesn't it. turn around and then he just like that's horror shit like yep. like <laughs> anything horrifying. can happen you're right like, yeah. like i remember seeing that for the first time thinking oh yeah when he says it he says right to his face what are you gonna do shoot me in the elevator and i was like whoop. that's that's kind of cool and he's like actually and i was like oh my god like that is a horror like michael myers is at your door you're looking at him through the window of course he's gonna break through the window to get you like. that's not gonna stop him he doesn't care you know what i mean he wants like it's like it's like what's the name I always said is this one sports writer i love he talked about terminator he was like terminator so ill the first one and the second, well definitely the first one he was like the terminator wants to kill you more than you want to stay alive right like see bishop's like i will kill you like how much do you stay alive because i'll let off in the elevator and full fit 10 people that's how much and i want to kill you and he literally says it to him at the locker. He's he's like, he's like, I don't care about you. I don't care about our friends. And I don't care about myself. And like, I don't even care about myself. So if I decide that you're like, like I'm, I'm not worth so shit. So, so the second right. that I determine that you're not worth shit, you're dead. Like, yo, that's, that's, that's something, you know, like, wow. <laughs> um, you're right, dude. You're right. Yeah. I'm, oh man! Once again, I'm yelling. I'm trying to calm down. I'm, I, I got really excited just now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, don't apologize. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man. Like juices. Yeah. Like 
<laughs> going back and watching it again, like the like a lot of a lot of the dialogue is like extra corny, but the rest of the movie is great. You know, like it's you know you know what you know story, a really. great movie. It's a documentary, uh, Rhyme and Reason. That really blew my mind too. So Rhyme and Reason is probably like ninety six. It's a rap documentary, and it's just all about like rap rappers in the industry and what that is like for them. So they interview Biggie, they interview Wu Tang, they interview the alcoholics. Oh um, no, I've never seen this. I've heard of it. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's an amazing. I used to watch that over and over because there was the show. The show was amazing too. Like I used to watch that, be blown away because you're watching like biggie and woo like brand new artists warren g like they're doing a show and then run dmc does a set um so that was amazing just to watch them perform like i used to just i just watched their performances all i would just it was like watching like studying film like from a from a sporting point of view like watching game tape i would just right. watch how they performed and what they would do and like how method man would move on stage he had a leather jacket on and like his voice and then watching Woo, like how they were touring and then rhyme and reasons, just like being with people in the studio, being with them in their hood and like them telling you, like, this is how the industry works. Here's what's tricky about it. Here's like the things you have to navigate. And it's really, really cool because it it's not about like the flash anymore. It's like, okay, now it's a job. What does that look like in 1995, 96 versus the right. show being like, isn't it amazing to be on stage? Holy shit. So I highly recommend Ryan Marie. That was a big movie for me too. I, I, I like watched it on VHS so many times. I have the soundtrack somewhere too. It's great. I've had a couple of people tell me about it. I got I got to tap in. I've been meaning to, so I'm going to do that now that you said it. Fantastic, um, man. And that's, and that's actually a great segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, like, yeah. you know, like your career, which has been going for quite a while. Um, the, but, but the first place I came in to hearing Zilla Rocca was when you put out future former rapper in 2018, oh, nice. like that was, that was when I was like, Oh, who's this? And just like the whole, <laughs> the whole idea of like being a future former rapper and like being right. on the verge of like, I'm not doing this shit no more. Like it's crazy <laughs> to me. Like it's crazy. And also ironic considering, you know, where you've gone over the course of the last three right. years. So like, right. I was just curious, like where, like, where was your head at when you first put out that album? Like, especially compared to um, some of the stuff that you had put out earlier. Like, were you really like, was it was it really at that point where you were like, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, or was it just yeah, because I just didn't think it would it was going to keep going. So I was just like, well, at the time, you know, I, I just got married. We had just bought a house and like my wife, boom, got pregnant. Like all this stuff happened very quickly. Oh, wow. And it wasn't planned out like to all cascade that way. So I was like, well, if I'm going to be a dad, like I can't really do music anymore. That's pretty, it's pretty much going to be over. So let me make this album. And uh, I just was like calling him favors from everybody I knew. And I was just like, you know, I, I've done a lot of stuff up until this point. Let me just like show every style I've done and can do. And this will be like my farewell, you know, and that's cool. And I'm okay with that. So that was pretty much the idea behind it. And I wanted to, put a lot of different aesthetics together so like steel tip dove back then who i didn't know very well he's kind of like the most important person on the record because he's the bridge between like small professor and then like ray west and then even disco vietnam like they're more sample based kind of traditional east coast guys with what i pick and then dove was like sampling like weird ambient records and like weird electronic shit and so i i I had a lot of music like that in the past people to know about me. And then I got my man Starkey 
uh, to do a song on there called Name on the Buckle. He and I used to be in a group. He's a big um, producer uh, doing like EDM, IDM, like overseas, everywhere. He's huge. And then my man, uh, Bill, he did this song, Make um, make the Sickness Sell to Cure, when me and Castro, he works for Kid Cudi full time. So these are people with a lot of different style backgrounds. And I was like, I'm going to put them all together. And then this will be like, hey, here's the things I've, I wanted to do. I plan to do like Messiah music, like all those people I just always want to work with. And I'm, I'm like, OK, they're all here. I'm out, you know, like goodbye. And right. uh, so I dropped it and uh, POW, you know, shouts to Jeff Weiss. They, they, they love the record and they put it out. Shout out to Jeff. Um, yeah, man. And it just I did it. So after I did it and I settled into a, a new rap dad life. I just started finding being like all my friends just kept getting hotter and doing this doper shit. And I just sat there and I was like, man, I could do this shit. Ah, you know, this beat, this person sent me a bunch of beats. I could probably still do some shit, ah, you know, and I just had the itch and I just kind of got in a good space again and I just kept it going. But I wasn't I didn't really plan on it. It wasn't like I didn't think I would be doing this shit right. I thought I would just be like, you know, a dad, you know, and like listening to music and loving it and talking about it. But I really didn't think I'd be, you know, an active creator. So that was really what happened with that record. I'm glad people like it. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, like you're still here and that's yeah. uh, and that's really and that's really remarkable. And like you've and like you've only like you've grown more prolific, like there's more stuff like yeah, you just, there's a lot. It's, it, it, you, 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 you always got something coming out. And like and um, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned um, I'm all the homies because, you know, like, of course, of course, I had Prem Rock on here a couple months ago. Yeah, and we talked man. extensively about a that lot a of things one. that was a great yeah. interview wow thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah that was that was that was actually that was honestly one of my favorites we've done he and i like he was so gracious just like you've been so gracious you know like oh thanks man um so like so you know like you mentioned wrecking crew a few times mm-hmm. and um i'm curious like you know like i talked to prem about this but i was kind of curious to hear the wrecking crew story from your perspective and kind of sure. how it came together and what the group means to you yeah, man. So it was it was me and Castro. Sorry, it was me, Castro, and Small Pro. So at one point, all three of us had the same manager, and he managed a couple other cats. So we would like all kind of hang out at his crib, and like we started doing a lot of shit together. So me, I, I had a relationship with Small Pro. I had a relationship with Castro. All of a sudden, we're under the same management. We go to the same shows and working on the same people's records and doing stuff. Um, and then we started like making it more of a thing and so i think i'm pretty sure castro is like the name guy he comes up with the name so he i'm pretty sure he came up with it i hated it because i was like this is played out there's a million there's fucking a bunch of softball teams called wrecking crew like what the fuck is that you know what i mean and then there's like the band the wrecking crew and i was like ah eh. and they're like nah like fucking juice wrecking crew i'm like sure fine um so then that just became the name and then over time it got more and more refined and then we met prem and we started rolling with prem and Prem was just around all the time too. Like we would go do shows in New York. You come to Philly. We would do a bunch of run dates, and so it was like Wrecking Crew and Prem Rock. Like Prem was like the outer guy, and then after a while, it was just like, yo, we're just everything just works so well. Like us four really just clicked the most. Like we had other people around, but it was always like pulling teeth or just it wasn't like the right fit. So we just kind of like let those people move on, and we said to Prem, like, you should just be down with us, bro. Like officially, because you're the coolest fucking guy. Uh, and you're a stand-up person and you make great stuff and you work and you make music too. And he and and so I think I think it really boiled down to like all of us bring value. So Castro brings value on what he does, Prem, me, small pro. 
and we all got different things going on. We all live in different places now, but it's like the last couple of years of saying it and putting logos on it and making compilations and the podcasts do us stuff. It's like people now it means something, but to me, it's meant something this whole time. You know, like it's not like a new thing for me, but it's a new thing for more people, which is cool. So it's really like about being friends first, but also like friends that work hard with each other and on their own. And if we're full of shit, we tell each other, you know, <laughs> it's right. If this dude's, if you're acting up in a way that's not really helpful, we're going to let you know. Likewise, if your thing needs some more work, we'll let you know. If you need advice on something, we'll let you know. If you just want to talk about whatever basketball or your girl, whatever's going on, it can be open. It's not just like some like, you know, industry created thing to gather momentum. You know, like the, the momentum mm -hmm. came years after we started saying it. So that kind of came very organically, but you know, I, I just love being a part of it. And I love, I love more and more people that discover me or discover Prem or Shrapnel or Small Pro or whoever, or even Alaska, you know, who's like our satellite member now. And then it pulls them in. Like, how, how are you saying about Doom was a gateway drug for a lot of other shit? I feel like that is happening now more and more with us. Like someone discovers Shrapnel, they discover our podcast, boom, they discover me. They discover Small Pro. So it's a really cool thing because it's there if people want it. You know what I mean? We're not like, we don't have a you know a big artist management company with a half a million dollar budget to market and do all those things. We do work on marketing, but it's like it's something where when people catch it, they lock in and start backtracking. Like our back catalog orders every month are hitting because people find out about us and then they go find future former rapper, they go find Castro's record Tosh, they go find clean well lighted place from Pram or Small Pros a million beat tapes, and they kind of right. see like what the connective pieces are and how everything like there's always like little couplings we do with each other so a lot of it's based on wu-tang a lot of it's based on doom a lot of it's based on blueprint who's given us a lot of inspiration as a friend and as just an artist we love um but now it's more like okay people like it people want it like people want to see what's happening so like let's give it to them you know what i mean like like let's not be like mysterio let's really say here's this here's that you like that this is coming three months later here's something five months from now like there's a lot lined up there. Like we're not stopping, <laughs> like, right. but yeah. this is who we were before. That's my point is like, we were doing this in 2010, 2013, just no one was really caring, which is yeah. cool because we, you know, we're killing it in obscurity. And then now, now there's a little bit more light on us, which is great. And now people get it, you know, and like, yeah, like y'all, like y'all have the network, you know, you know, you know like right. it's a, like the network is the marketing. Like you don't need that. Right. Like you're reaching people, you know, like, <laughs> right. and, and, and that's like, 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 it's just, it's just it's just this it's just this like uh network that's been kind of feeding into itself for 10 years and it's finally right stretching it's out slow, type man. shit you know like, it's slow like new like prem brings a new york satellite audience then he brings a global audience because he's toured overseas a lot right and then you know on my end it was more like i used to be on blogs heavy i had like more of like an internet collection of people that rock with me and then small pro has like the beat maker dudes but then he has albums with guilty simpson and sean price like yeah. fat beats type of cats that just love a certain style of rap he can bring them in the mix you know what i mean and then castro can bring like sci-fi sports afrocentricity like politics he can bring that in and then like live show off the head like he's won people over just being on stage with a million people over time like castro has been on stage with if he if he really ran down a list of every person he's ever just performed with, not like, oh, I'm booked to play with such and such. Like, no, I was on stage being their hype man 
I've seen him do more hype man shows than solo shows. So Castro right. is like mastered like the live setting where he can win you up. So it's like everyone can do those things and then bringing it back, you know, funnel it into the same landing place of like, hey, it's this, it's this logo, it's this name, it's these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, I saw. Um, yeah, you know, speaking of that, I saw Castro do do hype man shit during the Arm and Hammer Alchemist show. Like that, like that's. <laughs> Wow, you know, like, uh, like that show was really. That's how he got in the game. Castro wanted to be a hype man. He didn't want to be yeah, a solo rapper. He wanted see. to be a hype man. Wow, I, and I, I, and I could tell he's really good at that shit. He's, he's great at great. rapping too. But like, you know, like that. I, I just, I love Castro, man. Shout out to, shout out to Castro, and shout out to, Best shout out Castro. to Small Pro too, because yeah, I, I've been meaning to say that. Like, love the beats. Like Small Pro's been, Small Pro's been going crazy forever. Like, yeah, it's like y'all have a really great. Yeah little collective going on and like yeah, and you know like that and of course and that and you know like that expands to um call out culture the podcast so like wow. talk yep. talk to me like like where did the idea go from y'all just making music and kind of having this network of fans for that to being like we need to have a podcast and talk about this shit like honestly it was just having conversations separately with alaska and then me and me and castro are best friends we talk every single day on the phone every fucking day so I would always say to him, like, bro, like people should hear these convos we have. They're fucking hilarious. Or even when he and I disagree, we just start yelling at each other and shit. Right. So I was having those convos with him. And then I was texting with Alaska and Alaska and Castro only knew each other as like collaborators. Like they didn't know each other as, as homies yet. And so I was like, yo, like, what if we what if we did it? And I think it was going to be me in Alaska first. And I was like, no, I said, Castro needs to be a part of it, too. I can't remember, but we were basically meaning that last we were going to do an album which became cargo Colts, but we were going to call it call out culture that was gonna be the name of the group so we started to do a podcast he's like we should name the fucking podcast call out culture that would be funny if the podcast is the name of the group too and then the album everything should just be called that and i'm like that's funny so then um we started doing it and it was just like like i had been listening to podcasts since like 2007 2008 i was always the fan and I was always like trying to get on people's podcast because I love them so much uh, and I love talking. So that works. And then uh, once we did it, you know, we just we just got discipline, like just doing it every week all the time. And then people started listening and engaging with us. And then we were like, oh, we should, no one's talking about accountable ox. We should talk. We should be the ones to do that shit. Or like no one's talking about this or that or, you know, uh, bringing on people that we're friends with that people really enjoy. And then also reaching out to people we love that we don't really know yet. It's helped us build a community of people we all just knew separately. So like me knowing like Cryptic One now, that's through Alaska, him being on the show or like gang, like that's through Alaska. But then Alaska got to meet like Griff that they just did an album. He met him through me through. The, I, mean, I knew him Griff for 15 years. So it's like we all just, just piece him. And then Castro's like, oh, I'll get Woods on. I'll get Arm and Hammer on. You know, like, right. I'm going to see them Friday. You know, I'll get them on to come on. So it's like all of us pulling in each other's friends and acquaintances and then here and there like getting like absolute heroes to come on the show like you know breeze Bruin, or um we're, we're trying to get a couple other big name people on the show here and there but it's like it's it's all like culminated really well and then those guys become each other we're become friendly with those people like it's it's really interesting to see where it goes and then you know being lucky to have a patreon and people want to support it you know and check for us like that and we do a lot of exclusives so it's like it feels good. It feels good to have a community of people from all over the world, different ages and backgrounds that 
listen to it, are excited about it, want to come on the show or suggest people. You know, like this week we we have one dropping on about the Wu Tang show, and then we had Midas the Beast. And I know I've known of these dudes for years and years, but I never really met them or talked to them like that. So we just had right. them on the show along with Cryptic One, all just talking about Wu Tang on Hulu and having a blast. So like it kind of introduces us to each other and it's cool to see what comes up out of it too. Like some people just start doing shit together and start making records and, you know, collaborate. And so it's, re- it's really fun, man. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of every, it's, it, it's a lot of work, but it, you know, like, you know, doing a podcast, but it's really fun. You know, it's a great, especially yeah. during COVID, like it's a great way to connect with people that love what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Really like that. You, that's all facts. You just said a mouthful. Like mm-hmm. just like having, having that ecosystem is so valuable. <laughs> like not, not even, not 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 even just like not even just like as an artist but just but just like as a just like as someone just doing fun shit you know like it's just it's just good to have that like i hope you just got um, that real quick yeah 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 i just got it so um okay cool uh so there's a okay so there's a couple more things i want to talk to you about so you know like talking about this ecosystem thing um i'm I'm another person in your periphery or not even periphery like you worked with them hardcore dj chong wizard you know my man your man like all this type of shit so like (laughs) i love i love the midnight suns album y'all dropped Uh, thanks uh what what was that last year right yeah last october yeah so so wow jesus so like real quick like I mean, like, you know, like I'm big, I'm big on the Midnight Suns, you know, like, like the group in Marvel. Um, I'm big yeah. on the Marvel um, on the Marvel Zombies books and seeing the iteration um, in Ooh. there was just super dope. So, like, talk to me about your relationship with Chong Wizard real quick. Um, yeah. And then from there, we can just jump into Vegas Vic and touch dope. on like two more things. Sweet. Yeah. So me and Chong was just connected like years ago. I, I recorded a verse that he paid someone to do for him. And I, I always liked he had a mixtape called like American Iron Man years ago where he put like. He put Jay-Z instrumentals over like Ghostface beats or vice versa. Jay-Z acapellas over Ghostface or Ghost over Jay. I can't remember. But I remember the artwork. No one was using like comic book artwork back then. I was like, oh, this guy knows his shit. And then we, we just kind of like met each other again on Twitter like four or five years ago. And at the time, my avatar was Moon Knight. And he said something like, oh, I love your avatar. I'm like, bro, no one knows who the fuck this is. Like, you're the first person to compliment me. And this is like That's the Warren Ellis run of, of, uh, of Moon Knight. So then we just started kicking it. And then uh, he was pumping out a lot of shit. And he asked me to be on one of his projects, the last mixtape. It was like a Star Wars joint. Um, and then I just started doing verses. And they had a lot of comic book references in them. And then me and Castro get on songs. So he was cranking it. And we were cranking it. And he was just like, yo, I got a bunch of beats. Like, we, we should do some shit. Like, based on, like, all this shit we, we like. So then that's how Midnight Suns came to pass. It probably took, like, two years or something to make that record. But it was, like, him decided to make all the beats and, like, pick the sample choices he wanted. And then the artwork and then all the packaging we went through and then the logo. And it was like the most involved thing I've ever, it took, it took very long and it was great. And I got to check off a lot of bucket list cats working with like Malik B rest in peace and nature and Denmark oh. Vesey on top of all my guys was and all that Lord Juco. But that was really in the J zone samples we had um, with his blessing. So it worked out really well. And then the success of that record, he was like, well, I was like, dude, I got another solo album sitting on Vegas Vic. And uh, he's like, let me hear it. So I sent it along and it was the total opposite, you know, not one producer and not big name guests. It was like all my friends that I just wanted to work with. And so he loved it. And he was like, hey, I'll put it out. And I was like, shit. So we're still waiting on vinyl now, but that's going to be like my first ever, like purely solo vinyl release. Wow. Um, so that's 
that's really cool i mean it's the shit and like that record was just me making songs because all my friends were just again cranking the wheel like getting busy and i'm being impressed with what they're making i'm like i'm not gonna just sit here on the sidelines bro like you're not gonna keep lapping me like i need to do some songs so right that, that record came together pretty quickly uh then you know covid and all that stuff it kind of slowed some shit down but he believes in that record too so that came out like end of july um and chong's great man chong chong really chong is very very skilled at managing a project of music like how are we going to drop it who should be on it what does the design look like what's the packaging like like he's a masterful like visual salesman you know what i mean and he's really good at knowing like how to present things and push things in a way and get people excited and who to trust what moves to make like from like a label side like the manufacturing shipping like it's a lot of work and he does it really yeah. well and so it's stressful and you don't always make as much as you think based on the work you put into it um but he's built his brand where like people trust him to do something really really thoughtful and cool the same way like you know for wrecking crew like people kind of believe in us so it's just like anything else it's like you just keep slowly doing it nonstop to where people believe in you and they trust you right and you know like i you know like i it's it's easy to take all of that into consideration when you listen to a project like vegas vic because of how like I mean, your music has always been fairly personal but like this is like hearing like a song like the title track or even like five dollar god like these are these these are just like you just kind of like laying out your life in a way that not not to say that you haven't before but it's just kind of like continuing the streak of you just kind of giving yourself to people and it feels and like the air is different around it because this is your this is your first like you know, you know, like talk about like the first pure vinyl solo release type of thing. And like, you know, um, I just wanted to say, I really think this is a great, like solid, thorough project that really, it, Thanks, it, I really feel like it's a showcase in the same way that like future former rapper was like, it's, Thanks, it's, man. It, it's, it's less sonically wow. varied, but it's still like, mm -hmm. it's still in that same, this just feels like a, Hey, like, this is what I'm doing. This is where I came right. from, but it's, it's almost like the inverse right like it's just mm, like you're right. on the verge of quitting and now it's yep. like oh we're just getting started now like right you know yep. so like that's a great point i never thought of that so you know like i guess um, i guess to wrap this up like as someone yeah. who's flirted with leaving the game behind um you know and um enough times to really kind of give this some weight like how does it feel to you know in 2021 like in the middle of a fucking mm -hmm. global pandemic like look right. back and see how prolific you've become in the face of like oh i'm a quit and now it's like you're putting out vinyl with chong wizard and like you have a whole network of people right. and like a podcast like how does it feel yeah. to see all that you've accomplished uh i mean I, you know what i never really stop back step back and think and like look at it and take it in because it's always like there's something to do there's something to do so you saying that makes me like step back and think about it and be grateful you know what i mean because it's doing it all the time when I wanted all these things to happen all the time from like 2005 to 2014, for like every day, this is all I wanted every day and everything else took a backseat. So for things to open up after you put in all the time and the money you lose and relationships that go bad and going doing shows and no one's there and like all these, all these things you deal with, it's like to have it culminate in a place where people are excited or anticipating or checking for it. It means a lot because I know what it's like when no one's caring. You know what I mean? Like just sending shit out into the the the, the abyss. Uh, so it's cool to have something like that. And then 
like the work ethic and the being prolific like that's always that's always been there like i've been like this since oh five honestly like every all the time but now it's just like there's a lot more mediums like podcasts and zoom and Bandcamp, like things just opened up for artists over time to it's pretty inexpensive to make it hit and taking advantage of those things is the key so if you could take advantage of it your mailing list you know your social media shit online connecting with people building things for yourself all the tools because these tools weren't here in the past bro it was just like you spent a ton of money and you know what the fuck is going to happen so now you can do it and get a lot of good information and excuse me and then find your audience and and just satisfy them first like no one else really matters people that don't check for me i don't care it would be great if they did if they do start checking me that's fantastic i got you but if not i'm not like hoping man i really hope someone likes me over here and i hope i gotta start doing records like this to impress these people it's like there's a room there's space for everybody now you know what i mean you can just find your niche and cater to them and go with it and then they'll take care of you and that's it so that's the hardest part is like find your audience but once you do you're good. You just, as long as you stay consistent, I, I can't say anything else. It's not really, you know, there's no magic recipe and shit. <laughs> right. You know, like, yeah. Like you're like, there's even still that like unpredictable nature of like right. you, you, you know, like it's, it's less inexpensive, but there's still like, exactly. you don't know if it's going to hit, but like you find your people and right. you just kind of like, you know, work with them and you build yep. from there. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, it's really amazing. Sweet. Um, you know, like I don't have any more questions. I think Great. I think we I think we did it. Like yeah, we did but, it, man. But, I, I got to run. I got a couple other things going on, but I really appreciate you making this time for me. Z, man, thank you, thank you for even being interested. Like I appreciate anybody. You know, just like you, I appreciate anybody who's mm-hmm. it, like like I'm I'm twenty. I'm maybe like 20, 30 episodes. I think I think this is gonna be number thirty. Wow, crazy. Bet. So like nice. I'm only thirty episodes into this shit. So like you even nice. wanting to come on and talk to me, like that means Good a time, lot. So man. thank you. Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.